Welcome to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am your host, Nia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, one meal at a time. The Plan Simple Meals podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier, happier home. Listen in for informative conversations and valuable strategies to make meals healthy, meaningful, and fun. Let's do this. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I'm excited for our chat today. We are having this fantastic woman on named Deb. And Deb has a slightly different view than some of our guests because I feel like lately we've been talking a lot food. And Deb has a really great angle on parenting. And so for all those aspects of living our healthiest life that have to do with how we parent and how we treat ourselves as moms, you're going to love this episode. But before we dive into the content, I have a couple of announcements. The first one is that this episode is brought to you by Vitamix. So on the last episode, I explained to you that we are going, each episode from here on out is going to be sponsored by a company that I really, truly believe in. And this week, it's sponsored by Vitamix. And if you've been around me a long time, you know that I talk about this machine a lot. And the reason I do that is because I truly believe that having it has helped me live my my healthiest life in a way that's easy and doable and that my kids love. And I just, I use my Vitamix, I don't know, definitely at least three times a day. One is a weird day. Five is probably more usual. And I make dressings and sauces and smoothies, and yummy puddings, and dips, and soups. I mean, I make I make cookie batter in it. I really use it for everything. It's quick. You throw everything in there, and all of a sudden, you have a meal. It's pretty cool. So I wanted to give you guys 10 recipes that use the Vitamix, and if you don't have a Vitamix, that's okay. I explain in the ebook some situations you could still use a regular blender for, um, and some situations you would use a Cuisinart instead. Nothing's going to make it quite as smooth, but you know, maybe maybe it will convince you that someday you'll you'll invest in it or you'll spend some time saving up for it. It is quite a big investment, but I have some simple ways that can help you with that. So if you go to plansimplemeals.com slash Vitamix, you will be able to download this special 10 recipe ebook. There will also be a way for you to get a special discount code. So the code gets you free shipping, but the link that I send you to is for a refurbished 5200. So I love the whole company. I love all Vitamixes, but I have found that my 5200 is the most amazing thing ever. It's a simpler model. It doesn't have lots of buttons. It's not... I. I feel like it's less like the microwave and more like the stove, if that makes any sense. There's two dials on it and a high and a low. And I love having that amount of control over what I'm doing. So for that reason, it's, I think, the most reasonable one for the size of the container. 
And I think that getting a refurbished one is kind of a good move. You save some money. All it means is it's been used in a demo, so it's a little bit cheaper. And it, if you're trying to save money, I think it's a great way to go. So if you click on my, my link and that's how you get it, you get the free shipping. And we get a little bit of a kickback, which helps us keep this podcast running. So I hope everyone enjoys that free gift. And if a Vitamix is in your future, that you use that link. That really helps us out. So I could literally talk about my Vitamix all day long, but we're going to get on with the podcast after one more little announcement. So this is kind of exciting. If you're listening to this when it goes live, um, it's almost the end of May, and May 30th is actually my birthday. So the next episode is going to come out the day after my birthday. So because this episode is the one coming out before, I wanted to let you know that the best present I could get on my birthday, hint, hint, is for you to go and subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. So I know it sounds silly um, because really I'm just going to show up for this no matter what. I love it. It's the most fun part of everything that I do, but it actually helps when it's rated and reviewed because it moves us up iTunes and it helps more people see the content. And the more people that see the content, the better, because someday I would like to be able to, you know, maybe make some income off this podcast and, and really just get it to as many people as possible. That's really my goal. So I just want as many people as possible to hear all these amazing things that moms are sharing with us, all these amazing tips, and really be able to integrate them into their house because I really do feel like the more of us who can do this, it's it's kind of like a ripple effect. The easier it will be for all of us to keep our families healthy and happy. So If you're feeling like you want to give me a birthday present, that's the best one you can give. I'll be super appreciative. And so with no further ado, let's get on to our episode. Hey, busy mamas. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am super excited to be talking today to a transformational coach. Doesn't that sound exciting? And to be precise about which one, we are talking to Deb Blum, who is tuning in from California. So welcome to the podcast, Deb. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm just really excited. So tell me, because you always post these things on in our groups that we're in together that I'm like, oh, she knows a lot. <laughs> She's good. <laughs> She's honest. So tell us a little bit about what it means to be a transformational coach. Well, I will tell you this. I don't really know because I never find a name for my, what I do to really, um, that ever covers what I feel like I do, but I will tell you this. (laughs) Well, so what I do is I help moms to really, what I love to do is help moms to find more freedom, fun, and fulfillment, but within their lives, not having to make massive changes in their lives, but within the lives that they live right now. Mm -hmm. But what I think of myself as is like a creative problem solver and kind of this word, this this phrase that I like to use as a freedom catalyst, because what I really want from moms is for them to, I want to set moms free from all of the perceived limitations that they have. And I mean, that's just kind of everything. I know one of the most recent ones for me that's been up, that's been a huge limitation has been around food for me, but it can come in a million ways. 
because, you know, we're just not good about, I think we're not good about being kind to ourselves and gentle. We set expectations that are just massively too high for us Yeah. or for, for anyone, for all humans. So, but what happens is moms come to me and they usually come to me with a problem. Um, it's just kind of the nature of coaching and I guide them to solve it their way. So in a way that is really true for them and what works best for their family. Yep. You know, and that's kind of the orientation of it. And ultimately most of my clients come to me and they they have a problem and they think they're simply seeking a solution, um, which is very true in some ways, but like deep down, what I have discovered is that people come to me because they may not even know it yet, but their soul is craving more. Their soul is craving to be more fully expressed or to be more like excited by their lives or connected to the people that are in their lives. So we just go through a process of, you know, I, I like to say that I crack them open. Like I help mm. them to find new, new possibilities, like giving them permission to do life their way and sort of finding, finding those ways, but then actually getting through all the crap that holds us back from showing up more fully and doing the things we want to be doing. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, I definitely think there's that mentality in motherhood that I think a lot of us are very excited when our children are born and there's so much to focus on. Like, and it's not usually even the right things, or at least for me, I didn't find it was the right things. I was way more concerned about like which stroller to get, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which everything to get and, um, and less so on the stuff that probably really mattered. But what's, super interesting to me is that you you do like there is this thing like oh I could just put everything on hold right now because if I just go focus on my kids it won't be that much time right and like Mm -hmm. we just have these ways of getting ourselves out of fully being us you know we're these caring people (laughs) yeah yeah um so it's so easy to I you know it's so easy to get into that space for sure well, I mean, it's, it goes along with the whole myth that a good mom sacrifices herself in a bid to make her kids' lives better. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Um, so, okay. So tell us, let's go back a second because we like jumped right into that a little bit. But who do you have? Who are your, how many kids do you have? How old are they? Tell us a little bit where you're coming from as a mama. Yeah, I have two boys. One is 13 and one is almost 15. Wow. Yeah. Um, so like what does that mean that you're a little bit more hands off or no? It's still like I it's, feel like that feels like I have grown ups, but Yeah. <laughs> well in <laughs> in many ways, as far as my food bill is concerned, I definitely have more grown I have grown ups. Um I would say that it is more hands off in many ways because they actually are independent and doing a lot of things on their own. And I might not see my son from my older one from seven in the morning until seven 30 at night. Cause he plays on the golf team. Oh, wow. So it, but I would say on the flip side, I have to be a much more creatively involved person. So I have to be available to them when they, on their terms. And mm. I have to do a lot more inner management of the, the pain around letting my kids go. And yeah. so I don't think it's check. I I think I'm definitely highly checked in, highly involved, but it's a whole new set of parenting challenges. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like it gets more, less physical and more like emotion, more heady, right? As they get older, for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, and it's kind of this really interesting dance 
because they are looking for independence and that they also still need you. And so it's yeah. really, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of always watching for what are, where are we right now? Yeah. Where are we right now? You know? Yeah, because <laughs> it changes, especially with those teens and it changes mm-hmm. in literally a nanosecond. I feel like I have yeah. Jekyll and Hyde a little bit sometimes. <laughs> totally. um, yeah. So, so let's start, well, let's first start with food because that's, that's fun. And I knew that you want, know that you wanted to be like, have a hyper real conversation about that. And then we'll move into some of the more parenting things, which um, you guide people through. So, so let's talk food. Like what, tell us about what that looks like and how that is incorporated in your life. And you said that you had a specific story about your own food and image. So do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah. You know, I think that it's, I would just say that I remember listening to one of your podcasts and you talked about wanting to help people to see when people are managing I guess doing mealtime and and the whole food thing really well. And then people who really didn't. Mm. (laughs) And I think I'm one of the ones that didn't. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I I said that. (laughs) Well, and I might've misinterpreted that, but I will say for me, I have definitely always had a challenge around food of my own. And I would say, even though I'm relatively thin, I've tended towards a little bit of a binge and repent cycle in my life. Yeah. And it's been really hard for me. And I feel like, God, if I had just sorted it out before I had kids, it would have been great. But instead, I didn't. And I think I've, I would say that I sort of imprinted upon them some of my food issues, even though I've tried really hard not to. Hmm. And I think that's hard. Like, I I feel a little bit, I feel like, um, I don't, I wouldn't say that I feel regret on it, because I tend to be the kind of person who says, you know, that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, and so my kids are, they didn't get perfect parenting. And that is one of the areas where I was imperfect, but they're learning and growing and they're making some of their own choices around food that I maybe it, it had nothing to do with me, yep. but they're, they're learning to make better food choices. And, um, but for me, what's really been up for me, uh, is the past six months, I've done a lot of my own work around food. Oh, cool. And, What's really cool, the most cool part of it all, is that I did very little with my kids, but I'm noticing that the work that I've done on myself is manifesting itself in our family. We're having way fewer resistances around the choices that I of food that I put on the table, and it's so cool to watch. Interesting. Um, I, I yeah. love that, I, and I, I totally find that tr- it's true, and it's hard to explain <laughs> until you experience it. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that um, I never believed it was going to be true because I never, I always felt sort of a hopelessness mm. around ever getting my my own arms around my food issues. And so, and and the way, I just will tell you, the, the way that it ended up being that I had to get my arms around my food issues was not the ways I had been doing it. It wasn't with willpower and restriction and all of the the things that I had tried and dieting it really ended up being doing a tremendous amount of work um, on the emotional side of understanding what makes me make the choices that I make. And why do I, you know, why do I, I I mean, for me personally, and I'm sure it's got to be different for everybody. I'm not an expert in this area, but it, it, for me personally, it definitely came down to a, a piece of me that I wasn't loving, you know, parts of me that I really wasn't, I didn't care enough about myself Yep. to actually make the 
the good, healthy choices that we're nourishing. Well, yeah. And I loved one time, and I think I've shared this somewhere on the podcast before, but I think it was Dr. Joel Furman. I, I heard him speak and he was saying, he was talking about how we eat today is for ourselves seven years from now. So like mm-hmm. the food we're putting in our mouth, like whatever, it might make us have more energy or feel better today. But like mostly, even if we had like the thing that didn't serve us, we'd feel like crap for three hours, but then we recover because we're human and that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But over time it builds up. And so we're eating for that future person, but food is so like present moment that I think it's re- that's where that whole idea of willpower comes in. And it's hard in the present moment. Like who wouldn't want the whole table of desserts over a carrot? <laughs> you know, like nobody. Um, but it's funny because it is that idea of really being able to take care of yourself, which I kind of think you have to like r- really be clear on who you want to be. Um, that sort of is that thing that actually ended up pulling me forward because I had very disordered, crazy eating before I started all this eight years ago. Um, and it was really that path of healing myself. And I have to say, I had the exact same experience of really fixing my whole situation, um, big time. And like, literally it was so major. I had gained an obscene amount of weight during my three pregnancies, Um, And I was just tired and I was working too hard. Like it was not a good situation. Mm. And I had three little ones under five. Mm. And I was just like, you know, it was just like, you got to deal with yourself. And so I really like, and when I say it out loud, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what do people think about me? But I literally had to spend, it was a good six months just dealing with me because it had been so long. I had been pregnant or nursing or working. Like, you know, I just hadn't dealt with myself appropriately in quite (laughs) some time. And, but that had all these ripple effects. So I feel like it's so true that like, I didn't, there were certain things that I didn't even do. I didn't even address, but just changed by nature of me dealing with myself. Yes. Yes. So I think that's so, such a powerful story (laughs) to hear from multiple people because it's it's hard to get out of your own way to give yourself that gift right and I think what happened so for one I just want to say that I work almost everybody that I work with they're in this a similar place as you where somehow they've kind of let themselves not be a focal point and then they have to find, come back and and make themselves a focal point and six months is probably actually on the short side of, yep. for most people who really come to that place of um prioritizing themselves and caring for themselves. Well, and I mean, I feel like it's been, it's like a lifetime journey, right? It's like a daily, like it's a daily thing. It wasn't, but for six months, it was me still going and getting box macaroni and cheese and just not even (laughs) caring that that's what they were eating, even though I was having all these amazing like raw food salads. (laughs) It was more like that. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't bridge it. Yes, exactly. And I think it's, it's really challenging. I mean, I find, but I do find that when we do make that progress on ourselves, um, I, it is almost, it is almost kind of magical. Yeah, the way that everything starts to shift around us and the way that we look at the world actually can, we can literally see the world differently. Yes. I, Um, I think it's pretty beautiful. It is very cool. 
Um, okay, so let's see. Where are we going to go now? Well, let's... <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive more into, like, thank you for sharing all that, because I think that was... Well, and what has been, like, the biggest... Actually, let's not move quite yet. What have been, like, the biggest shifts in your health? Like, what have been the things that have had made the biggest impact as you go on this journey to sort of take care of that? Well, I think for me personally, it's it really does speak to the part about looking looking at instant gratification instant gratification versus long term what are my goals and one of and setting a goal that I want to age gracefully and I want to be healthy and strong um helps it helps me in every decision that I make so I think about something and I say well you know I do want that ice cream but I'm just going to have a bite of ice cream instead of that whole big thing of ice cream cuz I just really want the flavor of it and the taste and I don't really want to put on the weight that I know that I'm going to get that I'm going to put on if I do that every single night. Right. And so it just made it easier. But what I was noticing with my kids is that they tend to be very picky. And I do know that that's largely because of me and my, I was very picky and I always preferred crappy food over healthy food. And so they just sort of was doing, they were doing the same things, but I have noticed them making choices. Like we had dinner recently where I had put spinach in it. And often in the past, I would have been like, okay, I'll put it on the side and then I'll mix it in and they can just have a little bit of it. But I actually put it all in it. My kids didn't complain. I swear to God, I think it was the first time I have a, a almost 15 year old. I think it's yeah. the first time that they didn't complain about green things in their food. And I know that sounds, it's almost embarrassing to me that we've gone this long with this problem. It doesn't mean that my kids don't eat fruits and vegetables and have healthy foods. They just tend to like them in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I had no complaints and people just ate it was stunning for me. And all that changed was me. That's it. Yeah, it's so interesting. That's We talk a lot about that a lot over <laughs> in Plan Simple Meals because what I found is that that dinner hour, which can kill a lot of people literally you know like it's hard it's like you're tired the kids are tired and everybody's sort of like been in their world all day you know taking in their own stuff and then all of a sudden you're like put together in a room to have dinner you know like and it's 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 a hard moment without the food component of it you know what I mean it's just it's just that time of day and so what happens, I think, is that a lot of times as a mom, at that point, we open the fridge <laughs> and we all of a sudden, even if sometimes we have a plan of what we think is for dinner, like, I don't know, maybe it feels too hard in that moment or we realize we're missing an ingredient and we sort of doubt our own choice or we haven't even made one yet. And kids just like literally, I think, feed right into that energy. And so I think that our calmness and our just like, sureness that this is what is for dinner is way more important than how we prepare it it's it's and it's amazing how when people really like play with that of course there's kids who have you know real for reals or issues um but you know if that's your kid do you know what i mean the uh, the average kid texture and whatnot like most of it's take getting used to textures but it's not like they will never have different textures right um and it's so much just how we show up and we can set ourselves up for that, which is so cool. Yeah. So I would just say, I wished that I had known that when they were young. Yeah. Because, because I did not know that. And yet I will tell you that that's like a massive part of how I am around in the emotional space with my work. And that's what I talk about is how to show up with your kids with that confidence and feeling like you're more solid in your own 
truth of who you are. And then your kids just, your kids actually can thrive in that environment. It's the same thing. I just always felt so insecure around the food. And the first, the, any moment that my child would say something about not liking the food, I somehow caved, you know, I just didn't even know how to keep my own strength in that. I didn't come from a place of, of confidence at all. Yeah, well, and as a as a constellation, I have to say I'm the oldest of four, and my youngest brother, who was 16 years younger than me, and I'll have to sh- tell him that he's on this podcast. But he literally, because he was the fourth, like you know, this wasn't that what was what was going through people's head was not whether he ate well. It was that he could have what he wanted, and that happened to have been Domino's pizza with jalapenos on it for most of his childhood. <laughs> um, but today, I would say he's one of the healthiest eaters in our family. Like, he's become a total foodie. He's very into exercise, you know. So I feel like, you know, we do the best we can, but it can have any, you know what I mean? Like, in the end, they'll figure it out. So there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. <laughs> and it's so cool they're seeing your transformation now because. I love when people come into my world and their kids are older because you can really bring kids into the conversation at that point. It's a little bit different, you know, like when they're younger, I feel like you still really have to be making the choices um, and guiding them, you know, through those. But when kids are teens, it's like, look, we got to eat our veggies because this is how we're going to live long lives and think better in school. And I know it's challenging, but like, how can we make this better? You know what I mean? So it's like, you almost can have more, you almost have more company in this situation. Whereas I think when our kids are younger, it's, it can be a lonely, a lonely journey. (laughs) I think that's a really good point. I I agree with you. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, Let's talk about this idea because I think this actually really plays into food too. And I think you talk a bit about it, but just that whole idea of what we should be doing as moms versus what we want to do or what really will lead us to our highest self. Um, Cause I, I don't, isn't that part of your work with moms? Yes, for sure. Let's for tell sure. us tell us your knowledge on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I what I would say is first and foremost, I don't think that any mom is is exempt from the shooting on us. Yeah. Process. You know, I think it's massive amounts of pressure and you know, we don't we can't even open up our Facebook feed or you know, go to school to pick up the kids without seeing something that's telling us like we should be doing it better, whether it's a parent education event that's talking about how to communicate better or whether it's a Facebook meme that, you know, talks about how you can be more empathetic. And they're great. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But when we don't feel strong within ourselves, we tend to be sort of tumbled about by all of the outside influences of what we should be doing. Yep. So I would say that for most of us, what we're trying to get to is not that we not that there's anything wrong with having all that information. In fact, when you're faced with a problem, it's great to have lots of information so that you can learn and grow and make choices. Hmm. But, um, but what we want to do is come to the place of like, what's true for me and my family? What's kind of, who am I at my center and what's true for me and my family? And not so much, um, I think what tends to happen often is we either become paralyzed by too much information or, 
we just go into that place of like spiraling into worry and self-doubt and do nothing, which is kind of like paralysis, but there's like this idea of like, it adds another layer, the paralysis and kind of self-criticism, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I should be doing better. I should know how to do this and, but I can't do anything. And so I can I feel like for, for most moms, when we can get to the place where we can get more clear on who we are, what our values are. And I would say something about values, which is that values also, we are ever changing and growing beings. So values sometimes even shift and morph over years. What we think we're, is real, we're really you know, set in as a value might change as our kids change and as we change and as we learn more and as we grow more. So kind of how can we be like a, a solid and flexible self at the same time? Yeah, I love that. And that's so true. I like when I think about some of the rule, like sometimes when we're, we're, we come in, you know, when I'm clashing in some way with my kids or my husband, it's like, that's because we've grown, <laughs> but we had somewhere yeah. along, we had this like idea, this rule of this is how this situation works, but it just doesn't work that way anymore. Um, right. And it's, you have to sort of step back and be like, whoa, we've changed. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah I love that. And, and I think with, it's interesting with food and just parenting and the activities we do with like for our kids, which can get in the way of food because we do too many. Um, All of that I feel like is a little bit of shoulds too, because we don't step back and we, we don't map that back to our values. There's so, I feel like it's so easy just to be like, Oh my gosh, like everyone's doing soccer. I need to do soccer. And Oh, that thing just came into my box the symphony for three-year-olds so let's go to that too and it's like all of a sudden you're like how did this much happen in my calendar and and it's simply because we feel like we should be doing all these things and we may not even want to right right yeah uh, there's something so that's really an interesting thing about the the shoulds around that because I remember one time when my kids were a little bit younger that I made like a, a decision. I don't know what I called it, but it was like decision criteria for what I was going to say yes to and what I was going to say no to. (laughs) I remember that I said that if I was going to volunteer, that it had to have these criteria if I was going to volunteer. So then it was easy for me to look at my piece of paper and say, I'm not going to do those things, you know, or we're only going to be busy two nights a week, you know, and we're not going to, so if something else comes up, either something else has to budge or we're not going to, we're going to say no to that. So I started to set some parameters around what I wouldn't, wouldn't do. And, and how do you, so, so you're, you're coming up with those parameters based on knowing your own energy. Is that true? And like where you want to connect? Yeah. And like, for example, around the volunteering, I knew that I didn't want to do any more volunteering at that time. Um, I didn't want to do volunteering that didn't touch my kids' lives. Oh, I I, I made that rule. That was huge. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well you, now it's changed now that my kids are older. Now I'm on the PTA board and all that. But when they were younger, I was like, it has to be something in the classroom. If it's in the classroom, I'll do it. If it's not in the classroom, I'm not going to do it now. It was easy then. So when people made people ask me, I just said, "Oh yeah, that's a great thing to do, but it's not going to be me who does it." You know. Yeah, and I actually got myself into a little bit of a pickle with that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I did. I, yeah, I, I my kids were very young, and I said yes to running the school auction, and then that led to me being on the school board. And I actually a year and a half in had to be like, 
this is not serving me and it is actually taking me away from my children because the meetings were always at dinner. And, you know, I was like, that is totally going against what I believe in. So why am I here arguing with a whole bunch of adults, <laughs> you know, when, when I should be home connecting with my kids? Totally. And that's exactly. So I think giving people, giving moms permission to set parameters. Um, and again, you've, you said this before, but things change. Like I just got to be asked on a board that is a board I really, really want to be on. It's something that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, but it's from 3.30 to 5 um, once a month or something like that um, during the week. And I just have too many things going on that already take me away from the kids. And I said, no, because it's just not mm. going to happen. And so I said, you know, maybe in two years when both my kids are in high school, but I still have a uh, have one that's young enough that he is around most afternoons. And I'm trying to savor that time with him. Yeah. You know, so it's so it's a, it's tricky you know, you talked about shoulds. The other thing that I found around food was that there were a lot of shoulds too. And that yes. was something that I had to really tap into. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to listen to other people. I'm listening to my body. I'm listening to what I know is nourishing for me. Yes. I want to understand the science. Yes. I want to understand that. But ultimately I was so caught up in the shoulds that I ended up kind of having like a kind of a screw this kind of attitude. Like I can't keep track of it. So forget it. I, I'm going to do nothing. And yeah. that was really, that was like, when I realized that I needed to stop listening to everyone and take my own advice yes. <laughs> when it came to food, I was like, Oh, this actually works a lot better for me. Yeah. I, I, I definitely went through that. Um, cause that's, you know, when I started all this Eight years ago, I, I literally knew nothing about food. So when I first changed my food, I really needed the guidance of somebody. So I totally attached to their philosophy. Um, and I very, yeah. very vividly remember at that moment when I was like, wait a second, I need to figure out my philosophy because, you know, I have different values at home. You know, that person actually didn't always sit down for dinner. And um, you know, there's certain things that I cared about and that weren't on their radar yet. Right. And so I remember that moment of really figuring, trying to figure that out. And I do find it's funny. So I have that, but then I also have one of my kids with pretty severe food allergies. And I think around that whole idea of getting too busy around our kids' activities, so like the, the soccers and the lessons and all those afternoon things, um, as well as the the sort of what I call FOMO around food. So I mm -hmm. feel like a lot of times we have this fear that if we say no to kid related stuff, that somehow we're going to taint their lives, you know? So if they're not doing everything, they'll feel left out. Or if they're not having Coke like everybody else, even though that's not what we do in our house, then they're going to somehow feel left out. And I think it's harder because you're not, it's not like you're checking in with your body, you know, you're checking in with your values mm -hmm. versus your body. Good point. Um, and it, it's different. And I, you know, me, like this person who's always trying to get everyone off of sugar and whatnot, like I've definitely had moments of picking up my daughter from school. And I think I tell this story in my book of her having a bad day. And the first thing that comes into my head is I've got to find a bakery where she can have something, you know, like it's just like that yeah. thing. <laughs> totally. And then I'm like, why am I having this thought? Like, I just need to give her a hug and some love and we go read a book for her. I don't need to find her a bakery. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I think it's all these things are so programmed into our being. 
I agree. Yeah. I totally see it. That's so funny. I know. So tell us, do you have, I feel like you have strategies around this busy, this busyness thing. Um, what did you say in one of your notes to me? I think you said, oh, I know. It totally, it's funny. You were talking about all these amazing things like um, conscious parenting and self-acceptance and self-love and your relationship with food. And then in the middle of all that, you put the freedom of being paperless. Ah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's kind of cool. So tell us about that. <laughs> well, you know, I, because I'm always about freedom. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking, how can I be free? Um one of the things that was driving me crazy were spiral notebooks. It was driving me nuts. I would bring around spiral notebooks with me everywhere that I went and I would take notes and I would sometimes put notes in the wrong notebook and then I couldn't find my notes and it was just ridiculous. And I would say that I'm an organized person, but I'm not super organized. Mm -hmm. So I would, I was frustrated and I had papers everywhere. And I don't know if you're finding this, but I'm finding the schools have more and more times when they're sending a form and then you have to sign it and then you have to get it back to them. But like, you, you know, maybe in the past the kids would have brought it in, but it was like, they want you to actually send it into them and we had to oh, take pictures. And so things were kind of changing. So I, um, at one point I went into the Apple store and I just, I've never, ever liked the iPads before. It's just, I've never understood it. I've always kind of thought this is kind of silly. It doesn't really work with my workflow mm -hmm. and I have a laptop. Why do I need it? But when I went in there, I saw that coupled the iPad pro coupled with the Apple pen. And mm. you have to know I'm a total nerd. Like I'm a total nerd. Like my background is in technology. I, have co-founded tech startups. I'm like a total nerd. So I love this stuff anyway. And, um, but I really never saw the point, but the Apple pen changed my whole experience of the iPad. So what I do now is I have, um, I use a program called penultimate, but there are tons of programs out there mm -hmm. that you can use. And I take every, all of my notes are done in there. And I do this with my client notes. I do this with anything I do for volunteering. I also do some consulting. So my consulting and everything syncs up to Evernote. Yep. So it's every, it's available everywhere. I also try to only use like Google docs and Dropbox for everything so that any one of my devices has everything on it. Yep. And so I can just pick up, you know, I can pick up my iPad, I can pick up my, um, my phone and it's there. But the key piece was I didn't want to have to type notes that's the part that was a struggle. So the penultimate allows me to use the, uh, the Apple pen and I handwrite all my notes. It's, oh, that's so it's cool. So genius. And then when it syncs up in Evernote, if I search for a word, it can actually do keyword searches on my handwriting. That's, and can you, can it, can it be copy and pasted like into a word document if you need to make something out of it or do you have to still go type it? So I would have to type it then. Yeah, yeah. that's the, that is the downside. But you know, I mean, I've been known to even copy and paste notes out of my um, handwritten notes to people to say, you know, they just need to know the information. They don't need to have it done beautifully. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not perfect. My handwriting's not that great, but at least it gets the point across. Yeah. I love and that. It's genius. It's genius. Yes. So, and then you have this this one thing. I'm I'm feeling like I'm learning a lot about. So I, it's funny. I've always been somewhat of a minimalist, and I do think that having less to deal with in the house, you know, less papers, less toys, you know, if you can really have that managed, it actually buys you a lot of time. 
<laughs> you know, I think and, so, it's true. and so when people say like, you know, I just have no time to prep food, I'm like, well, is it, be you know, why? Is it really because you have to work 95 hours a week or is it because, you know, you're always pushing around stuff? And this year yeah. on the road has really taught me about that because I thought we were being so minimalistic when we packed up our car um, and went on the road for three months. And I got home and I was like, you know, even packing up a car, we didn't use like a third of the things. Wow. And so, you know, so it's like amazing what you just sort of like schlep around um, sort of un un unknowingly. I, I have to say having a carload of stuff did give us so much extra time for the food and stuff you know it's just just like so freeing to just have a couple outfits that you had to wash all the time and all that kind of stuff um but yeah i just feel like little little tricks like like the penultimate yeah <laughs> it can really add up to our in our in our lives trying to get healthier so i love that I think that's true. And it's, it is so great for me. It's definitely been a time saver, but I also love to challenge the question around busyness too. Cause you know, I know that you're probably, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, busyness is definitely often a distraction oh, totally. from other things. And so why we're busy is, you know, that's where I usually go like, well, so tell me more about being busy and like, what's, you know, what do you get out of being busy? Because busy for example, I don't know about you, but whenever I decide to do something, I seem to always have time to, to do what I decide to do. Yes. Things kind of just change for me. And all of a sudden I have room to make dinners once it's a priority for me. You know, I have room to work out. Why? Well, how did that happen? I think time is much more malleable than we think it is, but it's got to do with, but we have to bring things into our conscious awareness. Yeah. I remember when I first started changing my food, like it was, it was a pretty like, full-time job you know to like really get mm -hmm. to understand I mean literally I didn't know how to pick kale at the grocery store when I did all this mm -hmm. and so but I, I remember putting a lot of time time into it but and so that just made me say no to other things right so it, mm -hmm. and I, of course I wanted to be with my kids as much as possible and it made me more I felt so much more productive at work but one of the things that I noticed was I had a friend who didn't have kids yet and she was always have the excuse like that she couldn't come over for dinner or whatever because she was running errands. And on mm. like the third time I was like, how many errands can this person have? <laughs> and it's funny because ever since then, I'm like, I'm very conscious about this idea of errands. Cause I'm like, you can be driving around and you live in California where, Oh my God, I was so overwhelmed by the driving in California. Um, it's even worse there. <laughs> um, you can lose a lot of time in a car if you are always running errands. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. what errands? Like, you know, you, you have to go to the grocery store, of course, you have to pick your kids up. But, you know, there's not, I, I feel like that definitely is busyness. And it takes away from time that you could be taking care of yourself. Right. right. Yeah. So, sure. so do you have any other last nuggets that you want to share? And then I want you to tell people how to get how we can find you. Yeah. So the only thing that comes to mind is the concept of self-compassion being gentle mm. to on ourselves. I think that if there's one thing that I try to impart on everybody is how can you just come into greater acceptance of all of who you are, not just the parts you like mm. and, and your life and not, you know, that we don't have to always be seeking for something more or better. Often it's really just a feeling we want to have and believe it or not, more times than not, 
people who really start to accept themselves and their children for who they are and really meet themselves and their children where they are, it's amazing how much we bring inner peace and happiness just by doing that. Yeah. You know, and so not feeling like we're just constantly having to reach for this elusive happiness or elusive health or elusive whatever it is, like be here right now, be here right in this experience and accept exactly where we are right now and exactly how we feel right now. And that's the starting point, not the like grasping and reaching for all things outside of ourselves. So yeah. I think that's probably like, cause I, I feel like there's the, the shooting comes from the place of yes, you know, okay, there, there's a lot of pressure out there. There's no question, but ultimately it's like constant beating up on ourselves and constantly feeling like we're not enough. And the only way we can feel enough is by making ourselves feel enough. There's no yeah. one else that's going to make us feel that way. Only us. Yeah. And I, I, there pretty much is not a mom out there who's not enough. I mean, cause moms are like, we're crazy <laughs> and we're so much more than enough. We're awesome. <laughs> we're rock stars, man. I'm telling you, I'm so in awe of mothers. I yeah. Every, oh my every day I'm in awe of all of us. And so but, you know, it, but it doesn't usually, it's not usually on a superficial level that we don't feel enough, you know, it's yeah. just deep core things. So yeah. how can we like really tap into our enoughness? Yeah. Yeah. And, and right? if, and if for anything else to give that gift back to our kids, circling back to the first thought we had on this podcast, it's like, yeah. if you can figure that out, you pass that on, even if you don't have the right words to say that out loud to your kids. Totally. I That's love exactly it. right. So how can we find you? You can find me on debblum.com. Cool. And we will link that up in the show notes. And you, my dear, get the privilege of the final question that everybody answers. And I did not forewarn you of, so I apologize. But I know you'll have a good answer. Um, but maybe you've heard it. So <laughs> tell us about a meal that had a big impact on your life. And it could have been because of the food, the company, or some big aha you had while sitting at the table. Mm. Can it be a negative one? Sure. So I think that my part of the reason why I struggled with food for my children was because when I was growing up, I would get lectured at the dinner table. And I remember a specific, or my family did. I don't know that I was so, so much, but I have this really vivid memory of my, of being at the dinner table and it being um, heavy mm. and very, um, challenging. And I can just remember the room and I can remember how I felt. And I remember it imprinting on me how much I just wished that it was more fun and, and lighthearted and how that was what I wanted for my family. And the problem with that, whenever we swing the pendulum the other way is I feel like what I did was I, um, never wanted to have any strict rules around food yep. because I was afraid it would interfere with being playful and lighthearted. And so I think it impacted me in ways that I never ever imagined. And now I'm just sort of, sort of disentangling myself from that. Got it. Got it. Sorry, I wish I could give you a really great one. No, but I, I, I like one. that one because I think there's a, a good lesson in that. And and then and then I get to import your own self-compassion back to you, my dear, because 
you're a great mom. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. So thank you, you so much for your time here. And um, I love all, I, I always love all the nuggets that are shared on this podcast. My favorite thing I do is talking to moms. So thank you. Thank you for thank being you. here. Yeah, you're Thank you. I'm so, I am so grateful to be on this with you. Oh, good. So busy mamas, I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. And I always say that, but maybe this week we'll focus on being a little less busy. All right. Bye for now. I hope that you were as inspired by that episode as I was. I really enjoyed talking with Deb today. So as you guys may have heard, I've started a new thing at the end of each episode. So I am really big on taking inspiration and making it into doable changes that you can integrate into your life. So getting healthy as a family is a big lifestyle change. I've experienced that. <laughs> but no matter how insurmountable it may feel, focusing on one doable change at a time can help you take the small steps towards your big goal. So a healthy lifestyle is really made of lots of little things that when repeated regularly and added together over time make a huge impact on your life. Now we can't always understand or feel this in the moment. Sometimes we feel like our to-do list is endless and sometimes we feel like there's so many changes that we need to make to really make an impact in our life, but the truth is you really only need to focus on that next doable change. So this is what I recommend. I recommend choosing one thing to focus on each Sunday night and have fun with that thing for the week. The key is to keep that thing, whatever it is, doable and fun and to write it down somewhere so you remember it. Sometimes I write it down every day. In fact, that was the secret to losing 85 pounds for me. I wrote it on a sticky note every single morning. And then while you're focusing on this one thing for the week, when you put it on that sticky note on Sunday night, make a commitment to it. I want you to schedule three things into your calendar that support that thing. So let's say you pick staying more hydrated for the week. Maybe you put a reminders in your phone that go off every hour to remind you to drink water. Maybe you put a little reminder in your phone to fill a pitcher and a couple to-go containers of water in the morning so you remember to take it. Maybe you commit to spending 10 minutes reading about why hydration even matters. So you're just trying to build your practices and your belief around something that's going to change your life. So what I want to really focus on right now is three doable changes that Deb served us up in this episode. So here they go. First, she told us to know your goals and let them guide every decision. So you could try this for one week. If your goal is to be healthy and strong so that you can be active with your family, apply that to decisions about what you eat and do and make your decision and be confident and firm with it. This works wonders when reacting to kids' responses, what's for dinner, and sometimes even helps cut back on negative responses. So again, that doable change for the week is to know your goals and let them guide every decision you make and see what that feels like for one week. Another thing you could play with, and remember though, you're only going to choose one per week, is 
set decision-making criteria for saying no. So this could look a lot of different ways. You might say, I'll only volunteer if I'm actually engaging with my kids. So that means no committee work. Or we only do activities two nights a week, or we spend time as a family every Sunday. So we say no to invitations that might happen or get in the way of those two rules. So having decision-making guidelines helps you to easily weed out things that don't fit in with your personal and family values. This is a huge one. So if you were to play with this for a week, you might, in full disclosure, not be able to get out of too many, like a lot of things that you've already committed to. But maybe you can spend the week really setting up some of those core beliefs so that when the next round of activities comes up or the next set of invitations, you can really decide whether those make sense in the life that you're trying to create. So a third doable change that Deb, Deb gave us this week, which is um, a one that I really like and admittedly don't always do, is to go paperless for a week. So Deb talked about the freedom of being paperless and the tools she used to be paperless. So try being paperless for one week. Use your phone or your iPad for note-taking. Create a digital binder of recipes and maybe even meal plans. Experiment with different tools to make it work for you. One thing you might do is, you know, spend 10 minutes each day getting yourself out of bills that still come to your house or figuring out a system to make less paper go out of your house. Maybe you make a committed effort to flip a page over to take notes or draw pictures with your kids. So see what it would be like to go paperless for a week. So those are three amazing changes that Deb served up. I have also created a sheet that's 101 doable changes that have to do with health and wellness. So if you want to go grab that, if you don't already have it, you can go to plansimplemeals.com slash 101 and get your copy of that. And I will see you, my friends, on the next episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit HealthyMomsMeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at HealthyMomsMeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.